0: In the book of John, chapter 13. John chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 33. The Word of God says this, Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the great love in which you have loved us, the many facets, God, that that then causes us to respond to. Lord, I pray that our heart of worship would be before you and you alone, God, that we are humbled in our souls, that you would love us, Lord, and you call us to then love one another despite whatever the external circumstances may be. God, thank you that while we were yet enemies of you, you call us to yourself, Lord, you Died for us, or you pay the price for us in your great love for us. Because you live, we have the power to love, love to love you, and to continue to love one another. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, Charlie gave me a little bit more time uh, this this roundabout uh, to be prepared. I'm not sure which I prefer that when he he asked me a month in advance, or that when he asked me a day in advance. Uh, to preach for him, but i I thank him who is, who's who 's not here right now as hes getting back from Costa Rica for just the the opportunity to share god 's word with you and 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 for you. I thank you guys for just your faithfulness and uh, your love and your grace toward me as I continue to uh, just prepare god 's word and 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 to share it with you guys this morning. I just want to open and, and ask you guys maybe. To think about, if you had a brother or a sister growing up, or maybe you didn't have a brother and sister, but you had cousins, uh, what what was that relationship like growing up with your brother and your sister? If you were anything like me with my sister, it was a relationship that was more defined by a love by antagonism, (laughs) as my mom so commonly coined. First time I ever learned that word probably was... Man, I'm 10 years old, and she would always come to me, you're antagonizing your sister. And for me, that was my love language toward her. And, and you know, <laughs> Considering how can I you know, just cause her to, to mess up or stumble or fall or just you know, pick on her, what's the, what's the best way today? Can I mess with my sister in a new and a fresh way? And maybe some of you guys can identify with that kind of relationship with your brothers and your sisters. And there was love that was deep down toward her, yes, absolutely, that was that was there. But maybe for someone who is looking in on our relationship, would only know us just by a shared and a common name, but not a very well-defined, outwardly expressed relation, considering how can I put her before myself in well-being, rather than how can I put her before myself, and how can I antagonize her more today? And in a, to, just to kind of pan out into a bigger and a broader spectrum today, something that's been on my heart a lot, uh, as I've just been reading Scripture, and God has, has really just put two things um, specifically there in, in how we love one another. I so commonly read these verses when, it, when Scripture describes how we're to love people, and I automatically assume that it's our enemies, and first and foremost, I assume that he's, he's talking to the world, that we need to love the people who are in this world. But I want to just back up and, and, and look at something very basic this morning that the Lord has really put on my heart. And that is the many commands that Scripture gives us to love our brethren. And so I'm going to be using that term a lot, brethren, or brothers and sisters. And I mean those terms in Christ, our spiritual family that in actually many ways is closer than sometimes our family, which is in flesh and blood. No longer bonded just by physical identity and physical name, but now identified by a same spirit and same eternal name. And so my, my goal this morning is to communicate from Scripture one of the many facets of how we are to respond to God and how He has loved us and how we are to love one another who are in this room. So maybe that's, that's the person sitting next to you. Maybe that's the, the people that are in this specific room today. But also to think about the brethren, the brothers and sisters who are in Bernie today, worshiping the Lord Jesus. That these are also our brothers and our sisters, our family. Those who are in the state of Texas. You know, he said we're about to go down today in a couple hours On a mission trip to partner with another organization that loves the Lord Jesus, the Samaritan's Purse, and to serve people. And so these, that we're going to partner with, our brothers, our sisters, maybe even people in different denominations around Christendom. And our brothers and our sisters that are living around this world today. That this is what I want to just zero in on this morning, is are we loving the brethren, our brothers and our sisters. And I hope that doesn't, uh, there's this, this topic, the love of God and how we respond to the love of God and what that causes us to do, that can go in many different ways. And we could spend weeks and weeks and months talking about the great love of God and how then that affects our lives. And so this is just one very specific day and in, in, in one very specific fashion, talking about our brothers and our sisters. And really, by looking through Scripture and seeing that it is a command. Of God, it is an authoritative order that we love one another. By living under that command, that we are showing Christ to Christians, that we are a testimony to of Christ to one another. But also, we are a testimony, a, a greater testimony of Christ to this world by how we love one another. So, so before we start looking outward so much, maybe just taking a moment today and pausing and looking inward in how we're loving one another. So that's my goal uh, for this morning, to communicate that. So the scripture reading, which uh, we just turned to, if you look back in, in uh, John 13, very clear before Jesus leaves and goes back uh, to the cross and back to the Father, He says, A new commandment that I give to you. Coming from the authoritative mouth of Christ, he says that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, that you love one another. By this, by this love that you share toward one another, all men will know that you are my disciples. And if you flip one page over, a couple chapters over to John 15. So I want to read a section there in, in, in John 15, starting in verse 12. Again, he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you, do, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This is my command that you love one another. That's very important. The the word there to, to command that this is an authoritative order from Christ and Christ is the head of the church, he is the leader of the body, the bride, I'm sorry, the bridegroom of his bride, the instructor and the, and the commander of the church, as we're going to see throughout the book of Acts. What Christ has spoken is what lasts, and that is the order that we submit under, as he is our master, our Lord. And so, from this command, this is not something that he is just even suggesting and, and so often I think we, we, we take this command based on how we feel or how someone else responds to us. But it's just to remind us that a command in Scripture is black and white. It, it really is simple. There's, there's no if, ands, buts about it. To love one another. And he does not give any exceptions to that. Now that is both, like I said, very simple. And yet, at the same time, incredibly challenging because he doesn't give any exceptions to us. No physical, if love one another except those who they treated you poorly today or who were once a friend but they have thus betrayed you or have changed churches or who have maybe spoken against you whether that was true or untrue. That, there, there is no exceptions that he gives to this command. You are to love one another. I'm sure all the mothers in the room would agree to this statement, that a command is black and white. When they ask or they tell, more likely, a son or a daughter to clean their room, it is not a, if you so desire today. It is a, do this now, <laughs> command for them. And mothers, we can agree with that. So this is not a gray issue, but a black and white in Scripture. Now, each one of us probably carries... A slightly different definition when we, when we hear the words to love one another or to love the brethren. Maybe in your own mind, you have a different definition than the person sitting next to you. But for this morning, I want to try to put us all on the same page on a very simple definition of mine. And that is this. To put the well-being of another before your own. To put the well-being of another before before your own. And that's very broad. That's, that's very, very general. But with that, love, by nature, by its very nature, it demands expression. To love someone demands expression. You know, we, we, we've seen this in John 15 here. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And so the nature of love and that expression of love we see is sacrifice. Again, to put the well-being of someone else before your own requires you to deny yourself and to think of others before yourself. So you are really sacrificing. You are holding back yourself for the well-being of another. Now, Christ has demonstrated that perfectly. Laying down His life for us is the greatest picture of love we'll ever know. If you would flip with me to the book of 1 John We'll actually be in First John a, a good bit today. First uh, John chapter three. Just see in, in Scripture here to love one another demands expression, and that expression is sacrifice. First John chapter three. A couple of verses here, starting in verse eleven says, For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Now skip down to verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Verse 16. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. The last passage, verse 18. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. We will know by this that we are of the truth and we will assure our heart before him in whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Love demands expression, and that expression is sacrifice. This is the message from the very beginning the book of Genesis, that the sacrifice was made to cover the sin of Eve, To cover them, to clothe them. A sacrifice was made. So from the very beginning, we see the great love of God and His sacrifice as we work toward the Messiah. And very clearly in verse 16, we know love. We've, we've come to know love ourselves, individually. That He laid down His life for us. Again, there's the sacrifice. We ever have proof that God loves us, we point back to Christ and the great sacrifice he gave us. But then that, that verse verse 16, really the second part there. We love the first part of the, the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. Is you know we, we revel in that glory, that great love that God has given us. And yet, then it goes on to say, so now. How do we respond to the love that God has given you and laying down his life for you? Our response is, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Hey, it's very, very specific here. To lay down our life for the brethren. So sacrifice is required. I remember a couple of years ago, one of the, one of the greatest pictures uh, I've come to know of sacrifice and, and love by sacrifice is, is to be married. And so uh, I married my wife, Jewel, and, and one of the first years of our marriage there, uh, you know, Jules started having these you know, stomach issues, digestion problems. Of like, you know, what, what's going on here? You know, why is our stomach constantly hurting? And so, we were suggested to do this plan. It's called Whole 30. Now, growing up, I never did any kind of food, fast, or anything like that. And the suggestion of this Whole 30 was to go basically on a paleo diet for for about 30 days and see after you start you know, kind of detox your body, you add things back in, what are some of the things that your body may respond to that, that you can trigger and, and then you know, hey, I'm, I'm bad on milk or I'm bad on grain, stuff like that. So she comes up with this great plan, like, this is what I'm going to do. My immediate reaction is, great, do that. Go for it. <laughs> like, I'm all for it. You know, I support you 100%. You know, this verse says, let us not love with word and tongue. Oh gosh. And so now the table's already being turned. The wheels in my head are saying, "Connor, are you really going to sit across the table from her eating a taco, you know, <laughs> eating pizza and and watch her eat these you know, you know sacrifice for herself? Like would you really do that?" And and I knew I loved my wife when I said, "I'm putting aside breakfast tacos." For 30 days, that I will not eat grain. And I tried and I thought of every, you know, how can I get around this? How can I maneuver this? And there's just no way. It was, you love your wife by sacrificing, laying down these rights that you have, because your stomach's fine, laying down these things and doing this with her. It was an interesting experience. <laughs> I'm glad to be, glad to move on from that. I didn't have to, but I chose to and expressed my love for her in that sacrifice. Again, this cannot be more clear of a picture of the love of God in sending his son for us and how we love one another and how we consider to put the well being of one another before our own, laying down our rights for the sake of another. There is no clear picture. Of Jesus, and that is the command that we are given in Scripture to do. I think of uh, you know the, the the person writing these two scriptures, John. You know what we know from church history is that he's one of the only ones that you know dies a natural death. He lives a very good, long, solid life, and one of the themes throughout his time as a leader in the Church of Ephesus is. To love one another. And that's what we see throughout his, his epistles here. Is this great emphasis on God's love. And how we are to respond to God's love by loving one another, one another. And this isn't a guy who's writing in a closet who has all these theories about love. I mean, this is someone who is living it every single day in the early church. This is the, the same... The same man who, who records and writes at the cross. In John 19, when Jesus is up on his hour there, he looks and one of the seven things he says from the cross is he specifically points out two people. Woman, behold your son. And then points to John, behold your mother. At the cross, in the sacrifice that God was giving to us, Jesus looks down from the cross and he cites the love and the fellowship that we're to have with one another. Do you think that really burned that, that theme into his heart? Absolutely. I would have stuck with him forever. Now, there's a, a bit of a, a church history traditional story. Could be true. Could not be true. Uh, but I, I love the, the illustration that it gives to the person of John as he is on his last day's when he's so old that he's struggling to walk, there's an account of of people carrying him into the church. And as he's being taken into the church and out of the church, time after time, he is exhorting the brethren, exhorting one another, love each other. Love one another. That was one of his last words that he is giving to this church. Of all the things he could tell them, of all the things he could warn them about, of all the things to teach them, his central theme is to love one another. I think the reason for that is because he knew very, very well the desire of sin is to plant seeds of division, is to plant seeds of jealousy, is to plant seeds of selfish ambition amongst us. You know, we are a family, like I said in the beginning, that is bonded even greater than the physical realm. It's only eternal. eternal. How much more does the enemy want to break the fellowship between us by planting these seeds of sin with us? And this is is what Paul fights for. First book, sorry, the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 10. Listen to these words I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and there be no divisions among you, but that you would be made complete in the same mind, in the same judgment. And he had familiar words. A couple letters later, later on in life, he writes to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. He says this, Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, doing nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, and here's where I get my definition, regarding one another as more important than yourselves. This, he says in verse 5, is the attitude of Christ, who did not regard equality with with God a thing to be grasped, but came down to be made like us, to reflect reflect the very nature of God. I I think it's very safe to say the fruit of our salvation, one of the many fruits of our salvation is, is how we are loving one another. In John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love Christ, you will love your brethren. It is that simple, yet it is that eternally profound. And that, that eternally, just, just in ourselves, impossible to do. You know, there, there are so many people in this world. And. It, we, we, we would know them as our brothers and our sisters in Christ, and yet, evil is done to us. And yet the command stands to love one another. And by doing that, we are loving and we are worshiping the Lord Jesus in fullness and truth. Like I said, to, to love the brethren, it is, that's the first point there was it is a command of Scripture. So from that command... Two things happen: when we, when we love each other, we show Christ to Christians. We remind each other of the love of God. We, you know, after salvation, after, after we've been saved in Christ, it does not mean that we're, we're done. the work's been complete. You know It's only actually just begun. The work has just started. We all need to continue. To grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. To abide is a continual remaining in Christ. And so we need to continually love one another and remind each other of the great love of God toward us. So if you're still in the book of 1 John, go to chapter 4. If you're not, go to 1 John chapter 4. Start in verse 7 here. He says, Beloved... Let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. In this love, not that we love God, but that He loved us, He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. This is a beautiful passage that shows us the, the wellspring, the source, the power to love one another in our differences, in our weaknesses, in our needs is because we have been loved by God first. He first loved us with such a great and a gracious love that we respond in that. Yes, John chapter 4 is very clear, God is spirit. First John chapter 4 says, no one has seen God at any time. But if we love each other and we reckon upon the love that God has has given unto us in Christ. It says God abides in us. The very living being God dwells within us and His love is perfected in us so that, yes, maybe no one has fully seen God at any time, but when we demonstrate love for one another, we are opening up just a foretaste of heaven for that person. Yeah, it's an incredible need in this world to be loved. It is, it is, it is what is our heart's very desire. And if you think about someone who has sacrificed for you, if you could just pause as much as you can in this time and, and think about how someone has loved you and the sacrifice that they've given unto you, that is a, we are scratching the surface of the glory of Christ. When we love one another, yes, God has not been seen any time. But Christ has. And Christ lives within us. And to show Christians Christ, again, develops the aroma within us. It continues to perfect us in the love that we have in Christ. And we said the very nature of love. It is, it is active. It, is, it, it needs expression. It is not passive. And so I'm, I'm reminded by these verses here. The love of God was manifested, verse 9, in us that God sent His only begotten Son that we may live through Him. Right? It, is, it is through Christ that we love one another. It is impossible to get around any other way to love anyone well. It only comes through Christ. There is no other way to love well to truly show the love of God well. A couple of pages over, in the book of Hebrews, it's one of, my, one of my favorite passages of Scripture for the reminder that it gives us, but it's Hebrews chapter 10. In verse 24, God's word says this. Let us consider... How to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembly together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. God's love in the, the very nature of love is, is active. It is, it is not a passive thing that we just respond to. But it is an active consideration of one another. You know, have, you, have you considered someone else, and how to love them. The, the idea that this brings is that we have a very specific goal, a very, a very specific game plan in mind. When I look at someone else and I, I see their lives and I, I'm listening to the struggles of their life, I'm, when, I, when I'm to consider someone else, I am very specifically coming up with a game plan. How can I take what I know of this person and like how can I give them how can I express love to them that they may go on to further love and serve the Lord Jesus? It requires time. Right? It requires attention. It requires us to stop and to lift up our face and to look around and to listen and to see the needs of one another. And from that then, that consideration, our fixing our eyes and our minds upon someone else, now we consider, okay, what can I give to this person? How can I show love to this person that they may then go and love and serve the Lord? Now, how can I, the word there is to stimulate one another. And that word literally just means to poke or to prod someone. How can I I poke or prod them into action? You know, growing up for me, it was poking and prodding to antagonize. And so now this verse really hit me hard. It's like, no, no. You know, for someone like my sister, how can I you know, poke or prod and stimulate her to love the Lord, to, to be reminded of the love of God toward her, to stimulate one another? I think of, just in Scripture, the, the relationship between Jonathan and David, one of the greatest uh, examples of, of loving a brother. You know, these guys aren't related, and yet they are bound together with the eternal Spirit of God, the same faith in the Lord Jesus. It is a true biblical picture of, of, of of our spiritual family that we have. Jonathan and David. You know, I think of David when he was at one of his lowest points in life. He is just really feeling down and out. Jonathan, I think, really takes this verse and what, we'll, what we know of this verse later, and I think he really characterizes it. He considers his brother David. How can I stimulate him to encourage him? And it says that when David was at his lowest point, Jonathan comes to him, and we don't know exactly, Scripture doesn't give us exactly the words that Jonathan says to him, but we know of his character that it is good. It says he encourages him in the Lord. He encourages him in the Lord. He reminds him of hope. He reminds him of hope rather than wallowing with him in despair. He reminds him of the promise that was given to him, that you are loved by God. You are highly favored by God. You are God's anointed next king of this nation. He reminds him of God's great promise and plan for him. But again, it required action. It doesn't say Jonathan prayed or thought well of David. Love requires action. He goes to him and he physically encourages him in the Lord. And David is reminded of the great love of God toward him, the great plan of God for him. We don't live the Christian life alone. And we were never intended to live this Christian life, this life in Christ alone. Scripture is full of metaphors about the body. And i are reminded of this great, great principle. We need one another. God has so organized this life while we're here to be reliant upon one another. Now, first and foremost, that comes in Christ, but he uses us. He will use you to express His love towards someone else. That's how He has chosen to operate in this world, is through the vehicle of human capacity. We participate in that. A couple, or About a year ago, I was listening to a, a TED Talk. Literally never have got on there before in my life. Uh, the first one I ever listened to. But it was really cool. Uh, this This specific TED Talk was was talking about um, how trees are not supposed to live alone, just in fields, but they, that they thrive in forests. And so I, when I was first listening to it, nothing was really catching my attention. I was just about to turn it off, and then this, this lady starts talking about how they started, uh, how they kind of came to the realization about trees in that trees are living organisms. Now, we've been taught that in school. Every living plant around us is a, is a living being. And so they came to the realization, if this is a living being, then maybe there's communication. Maybe there's some sort of communication, like other living beings communicate with one another. And so in in a crazy scientific way in which they're using a lot of big words that I never pay attention in science in school, (laughs) that went right over my head, they were able to measure this communication in the redwood forest between trees. And what they are specifically measuring is the amount of nutrients in different trees. And so they were able to take into consideration between uh, all these different trees with the same root system there. One tree would, have a, would be high in a certain nutrient and really low in a, in a certain nutrient. And then other trees that they measured were high in what the other one was low in. And low in what the other one was high in. And what they found for the first time in history was that the trees responded to one another's needs. And that where one was low, they could see physically the nutrients being moved from one tree that was high in that nutrient to the one that was lacking in a nutrient. And that is how a forest grows. That is how a forest survives, is meeting the needs of one another. And that's just simple. That's just nature. That's just trees. How much more so the body of Christ should we be meeting one another one another's needs responding in love to one another 1 Corinthians 12:27 God has so composed the body giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked so that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another that's an incredible responsibility that we have in this body, that we don't, and I'm, I'm reminded of this so much, that I'm not, my, my role is not just to show up, to be present, but it's to give. It's to respond. It's to consider one another, and give, maybe in where the Lord is blessed, where someone may be lacking. But that takes my eyes open, looking around, considering my heart available to the Lord to use. So it brings me to my last point here, in that we are, have Given the command to love one another and and how we love one another, we show Christ to Christians. But also, how we love one another is one of the greatest testimonies we have to a lost, dying, and unbelieving world. If you flip to the book of John, just normal John, we'll call it, the Gospel of John. John 17 John 17 verses 20 and 21 it says again this is the high priestly prayer Jesus praying on behalf of those who come after his disciples those who follow Christ in, in faith and belief in him he is praying this to the father so we see the heart of Jesus for his people here as clear as we can, he says, in verse twenty: I do not ask on behalf of these alone, so those who are with me presently, but for those who, for for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may be all, they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. And then, verse twenty-six. He says, And I have made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. Our love for one another creates unity. Unity in the family of Christ is a testimony to a lost and dying world that there is a God who lives. There is a God who lives and he has the power to unite people from different backgrounds, different pasts, different races, different skills, different job sets. He has the power to unite us together as one family. I think it's it's a safe question to ask ourselves this morning, if we have a desire to reach this world with the gospel of Christ, are we reaching out to one another? Do we even have a desire to reach out toward one another? You know, maybe this is what we would know as discipleship. Pouring into one another, loving each other. Remember when I was at, my first years at, at CIU, this was still when CIU was, was primarily missions oriented. And everyone I met seemingly was going to the mission field, and it really made me consider what am I doing with my life? If I'm just a Bible teaching major, why are you staying in America? The nations, the nations, the nations, and it was it was very very well considered. For the first time in my life, really, I began to consider the nations. It was really really great. There was a chapel speaker that that came in one day. Never saw him again. Maybe for this reason. But he came in and he was talking about missions, and so all the mission, all the ICS majors, intercultural studies majors, were all you know pumped, they're excited, and their faces glowing. And, and so I'm listening to this man, and and he he takes a poll of the, of the room here: who is an ICS major, who wants to go to the mission field? And so all these hands are getting raised all over the place. And he just asked a very simple question, and it was this: Are you participating in your local church right now? And it was a rhetorical question. Right, thousands of people in the room. But he says, in what capacity are you serving the people around you, the brothers and sisters around you right now? Well, I knew some of those look I knew some of those majors. And I knew they're really people just like me at the time. We'd just go to church and then leave. Hardly talk to anybody. And it reminded me from that very simple question. He, he, he went on to say, if we aren't loving our brothers and our sisters right here today, how do you expect to love a world that hates you? If you cannot demonstrate that to, to people that we are bonded with in the Spirit, how do you think that you will express this very love of God to people that hate you, that are enemies of you? I think that's the right question we should be asking ourselves. Do we love one another? It's a command of Scripture. Just as the command of Scripture is to go. To go into the nations. I think it's it's a worthy thought to ask, are we loving home base? is, Is home base solid? In which we are sending into the nations from. Paul writes in the book of Galatians, in chapter 3, in verse 28, you can flip there, you can list whichever one. He says this, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now the context here, he's talking about our access into the very presence and the very love of of God, that God shows no partiality. Everyone, the invitation was given Jew, Greek, slave, free man, male, female, all can come into the very and, and access the very presence of God. He shows no partiality for His gift of grace. And in that, God has set the standard for us, God has set the standard for our fellowship and our love for one another that there is no partiality. There should be no partiality given when we fellowship and when we love each other. We live in a world full of partialities. Oswald Chambers says it's, it's, it's as natural as breathing. You, you, you go with the people that like you, you stay away from the people that don't. It's as natural as breathing to group as sheep, <laughs> as sheep do, they cluster to the people that are like you. But God has set the standard in the salvation that He has given us of all men, so our fellowship should be with all people. That actually the diversity that we have in this room shows a greater stamp of unity. If God can unite us who are in this room with all of our different pasts, all of our different backgrounds, skill sets, jobs, likes, dislikes, if he can unite us, not making each other be the same person, but unite us in all of our differences, how much greater of a testimony is that to this world? It's, again, his, his prayers for unity. His prayers for, for unity here, not replication, not just a, a repeat of the same person, not just a cookie cutter but taking us in our individuality and uniting us together is a love that shows a testimony for one another in all of our differences. It shows a supernatural bond, unparalleled, unrivaled to what this world gives. I really appreciated Torchbearers for this so incredibly much. I had never met a Canadian before in my life until I came to his hill. I had no idea what really Canada was at that point. When I came to Torchbearers, my first guest speaker was Satish. If you remember Satish, Satish John from India, oh my word, my eyes were opened to you know, believers in the churches in, in India. Never before met an Indian before who was from India. My eyes were open. I came to experience this supernatural fellowship and love of Christ for the first time at Bible school when I had friends who were Mennonites. I had no idea what a Mennonite was. Lo and behold, then I would marry a Mennonite. And come into into that background. I was a very eye opening set of backgrounds and beliefs, and and, and culturally raised than, than I was. Jewel and I were raised very differently in our backgrounds, and yeah, that's good. And there was fellowship there. My roommate was a guy who dreamed of being a farmer. That was that's foreign to me. <laughs> like that's that's something that if you're, if you're a farmer, you got you know you didn't get what you wanted, life, <laughs> so you resulted in farming. <laughs> This was his dream to be a farmer. And he is a farmer now in Canada. That was foreign to me growing up in the suburbs of San Antonio. Then I met a, and developed a friendship with a really odd bird, our very own Todd Granger. If you don't know this, me and Todd were um, first years together as, as well as Anna Cooper. Really cool to see how we've grown in the Lord. Me and Todd, have, we, we have a great friendship We've had a friendship for eight years since we came to Bible school. We realized the other day at dinner. Todd and I have nothing in common physically. He is incredibly gifted musically, unlike almost anyone I've ever met before. And on the contrast, I cannot hold anything musically. Whatever I touch musically, I destroy. But I love sports. I love all sports. Todd literally mocks sports. (laughs) (laughs) physically we have nothing in common in that but we have the greatest gift in common and we know Jesus and so for 8 years we've had a friendship that has withstood (laughs) friendships that I had for 18 years of my life it's because we are united on the eternal truth of Christ again that's a testimony in this world that is unparalleled cannot be replicated by anything else in this life. When we find our identities, when we find our fellowship, when we find our love for people that is based on the externals, we wind up just surrounding ourselves with people just like us. And that's not a testimony of unity. What Christ wants to express through our love for one another is a unity where people who may not have anything physically in common, they love each other like family, a bond that can never be broken and a love that surpasses the natural fleshly reaction. There's so a couple of people that, that wrote on this. Uh, one's a, a, a Christian a historian. He says this, When unity is expressed, especially across barriers of race, nationality, and language, it's one of the most convincing evidences of the continuing activity of Jesus among men. Another man writes this, No differences in the modern world are greater than the cultural and religious differences between Jews and Gentiles of the Bible. And the Spirit created unity between those two groups of people. Therefore, how much more can he unite people in this world today? And you think about that, the the differences between Jews and Gentiles in Scripture, and yet God grafted them in as one. How much more does he have the power to do that in our nation today, in our body today, in our city today? It's possible. It is very, very possible. Ultimately, to conclude today, it's possible to love one another when you may think it's impossible. It's possible because it doesn't rely on you. And God never meant for it to. God never entrusted this great love for you to take and for you to make good in it. And for you to be this great testimony. You will quickly, if you have not already, find that you don't have the strength to love our own brothers and sisters. We don't have that in our, in our own flesh. But you do have the capacity to yield to the one who can. You do have the capacity to yield to the one God who can create unity in our differences, to create love and foster a love for someone you may have never naturally rubbed shoulders with, to create love with people even outside the brethren who may hate you. That all comes from the same living Lord Jesus Christ. You have the capacity for that. And I challenge us today that we would be people that choose not to live an individual lifestyle, to not live individually in this world. You've been created as a part of Christ in the body of Christ. And to love on our own accord is to love really in our flesh as sin, as pride. The Christian life is to be lived in relationship. First and foremost, to Jesus Christ. To be in love and fellowship with Him every single day. And then second is to take that love that's been fostered between us and Christ and then to give that to all people as He loved all people. May that be expressed in our body. So I just want to close with Galatians chapter 6, verses 9-10, through 10, which says this. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those of the household of faith. Encourage one another while today is called today, and to manifest the very life and love of God in this world. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, we are humbled by your word and how simple it is and yet how revealing and difficult in our own strength it can be. We cannot love each other well by ourselves and yet you have called us as a command to love one another. God, it is impossible in our flesh. May you break down any desire, any pride that we would have within us to try to love each other In our flesh, God, break down the pride and the and the thought of just loving the.